Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Heat Treat Today's August 2021 Automotive Print Edition. Access the digital edition at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash digital edition. Welcome to Heat Treat Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Leone, editor of Heat Treat Radio. Today, Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today, and thermocouple specialist Ed Vileko will begin a three-part Thermocouple 101 series. This conversation builds off a key article from Pelican Wire Thermocouple Experts, which was featured in Heat Treat Today. You'll want to review it during or after this excellent episode with Ed. Search for Thermocouples 101 on the heattreattoday.com website. Now, let's take a listen. So, Ed, why don't you take a minute, as we typically do on these uh, interviews, just talk briefly about you and your background and your, especially your qualifications for talking about thermocouples. Sure. Well, I've actually been in the uh, wire and cable industry for a little over 40 years now. Um, I actually first started in the industry as, uh, well, maybe not a grunt, but certainly I was I was called a melter's helper. So I worked at a company called Hoskins Manufacturing, <clears throat> excuse me, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, yeah. uh, where we actually melted the raw materials uh, yeah. to make uh, thermocouple wire, resistance wire, and you know a whole host of other things. Right, um, right. So, and I was actually the guy that after we get done pouring that molten metal into the ingots, uh, or pouring it into the molds to make the ingots, I was the guy cleaning up all the mess that happens, <laughs> you know, after you pour and you're pulling these ingots. So yeah. uh, that's really where my career started, and uh, with Hoskins. And and uh, as a matter of fact, I. It kind of ran in the family. My dad retired at Hoskins with 42 years uh, service with Hoskins. So, I, you know, kind of natural progression that eventually after I got out of the service, I ended up joining Hoskins. Um, so I was there about 18 years at Hoskins Manufacturing, again, starting out as uh, right from right at the bottom. Uh, worked my, my way up to becoming an associate engineer working in the R&D department. And that's really where my career uh, really started focusing a little more on thermocouples. I, I just enjoyed working with thermocouples. We were developing some new products using thermocouple wire, things like that. So, and that's, you know, ever since then, I've kind of kind of stayed in the thermocouple arena uh, at some of the other uh, places that I've worked. Uh, I've actually, uh, after I left Hoskins, um, I started working for companies that insulated wire. So okay. we were taking the, the wire like we made at Hoskins and we were putting the you know whole host of insulations on it from ceramic uh, braid to extruded products things like that so and again both both the companies they actually the one I'm currently employed with at Pelican but before that I was working for a company out in uh, New Hampshire called uh, PMC and again okay. both companies real similar just we insulated wire so we right. purchased the the raw materials raw wire from Hoskins or whoever and then uh, insulated it so good for the for the un, unbaptized in this uh, in this topic, okay, what is what are thermocouples? How do they work? How do they come about? And then maybe if you can, are they are the modern day thermocouples any different than the you know thermocouples of old? Sure. Well, I always start out with a little bit of uh, history about thermocouples whenever I'm talking. I don't, you know, uh, yep, just to give people good. a background. So really, you know, thermocouples uh, were introduced early in the early 1800s uh, with the most significant, I'm sorry, significant developments uh, taking yep. place in Europe. And yep. one of the very first uh, gentlemen that worked on it was uh, Alessandro Volta. 
And you can probably recognize the name uh, because Volta actually, you know, is the Volt today. So yeah. which everybody recognizes, not just thermocouples, but obviously in the electrical industry too. Yeah. Uh, so he basically built a couple uh, thermopiles uh, using metals, silver and zinc, and some cloth in between them, soaking them in salt water, and discovered that it would produce a voltage. Uh, so that's kind of how it got started. Um, and really the significance of that discovery was that there's a source of steady and reliable current flow uh, from, okay. from using this dissimilar, dissimilar metals and salt water, things like that. Uh, over the years, many others experimented with the phenomenon. Um, probably the most famous, anybody that's really in the thermocouple industry, uh, and you'll hear it a lot. Uh, in 1821, Thomas Seebeck announced that he had discovered that when two dissimilar metals were placed in a closed loop and one of the junctions was exposed to a change in temperature, electro electrical current was produced. Uh -huh. uh, and this production of the electromatic or electromotive force and electromagnetic force uh, is electric current as a known as is known as a Seebeck effect or Seebeck coefficient. You'll you'll hear that coefficient. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was obviously much later after that before everything was understood and, and the correct mathematics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But Seebeck's name will always, you know, will forever forever be associated with the discovery of thermoelectricity and thermocouples. Yeah. And again, even to this day, um, even ASTM books, you know, reference Seebeck coefficient. So yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, others, some other gentlemen that were involved in, and again, you'll recognize some of these: uh, Michael Faraday, uh, sure. George Ohm, uh, Claude Poulet, and then Ant Anton. Becquerel, I think it's, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, actually it was Becquerel that was uh, suggested using Seebeck's discovery for measuring high temperatures. Yeah. He, he proposed the strength of the current generated was proportional to the change in temperature and exactly the principle behind the thermocouple, right? We're measuring yeah. temperature, whether it's 200 degrees or 2300 degrees. You know? Right, right. So that's really kind of how the modern day thermocouple um, got started, you know, way back in the early 1800s. So, yeah. And the modern day thermocouples are essentially the same as that. Has there been any major changes? Uh, well, in reality, um, type J was was the, the first thermocouple to really be experimented with. Um, okay. After type J, then some additional thermocouple types, you know, came on board. Uh, you know, people experimented with other with other uh, metallurgical compositions to develop uh, different, uh, and we'll get into a little bit later, but different uh, millivolt outputs. Okay, so so let me understand. So type J was that the basically the first type of thermocouple that was developed. Yeah. For, well, let me let me back up a little bit. I, I apologize, yeah. but but um, actually the early early metals, uh, thermocouples, were based on what we can call noble metals. On nobles, okay. Right, noble metals are rare earth elements such as platinum, rhodium, uh, tungsten, and rhenium. Yeah. Um, so, but the problem with, with the noble metals, uh, noble metals are exactly much more expensive than our base metal thermocouples or what we call base metal thermocouples today. Yeah. Um, you know, base metal thermocouples today, um, typically the compositions are just a handful of elements. You know, you have iron, nickel, chromium, yeah. copper, you know, things like that, which is considerably cheaper than the the noble metals, the platinum and rhodium and things like that. So so the very first ones you were talking about, I, I'd I, I want to learn this history a little bit because it's just kind of fascinating to me. So those very first ones were made of noble metals primarily? Yes. 
Okay. Yes, so, they were using so, them. So they would put those together and okay. And then then basically we said, "Hey, this is great, but you know what? This is way too expensive. Can we can we get the same effect, if you will, the difference in voltage or whatever uh, between dissimilar metals if we use a little less expensive metals?" Right. Okay. You you said mm -hmm. there's a different voltage when there's a difference in temperature. The uh, EMF, electromotive force generated by the thermocouple, right. is linear. So at 200 degrees, you know, it produces this amount of voltage. At gotcha. 300 degrees, it produces this much. And it's um, all the thermocouples basically are the same principle, right? And it's very okay. linear. That's one thing that is uh, good about a thermocouple. It, the, the EMF output is linear. So right. you don't have, you know, producing a, a millivoltage at 200 degrees and then at 300 it goes down and at 500 goes back up. It's a yeah. linear yeah. proportional yeah. to the temperature. Okay, super. Yeah. All right, so, so that's good. So I have heard in the past, and you mentioned it here, maybe we can discuss it a little bit, noble metal versus base metal. I mean, obviously we know noble metals, you mentioned those, you mentioned what those are, those are expensive, they work, they work to do the same thing. Base metals though tend to be what? Which metals? Uh, as I already mentioned, the, the uh, nickel, chromium, copper. And those are, those are in fact just less expensive, right? I mean, they essentially do the same thing, but they're less expensive. Exactly. Exactly. But there are some other differences, too, between the noble metals and the uh, and the base metal thermocouples. Uh, yeah. When you're when you're talking noble metals, the platinums, uh, the rhodium, things like that, they can uh, achieve much higher, can handle much higher temperatures than okay. even the base metal thermocouples. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. OK. All right. Yeah, that that's helpful. That's helpful. So so the vet probably I'm going to make an assumption, probably the vast majority of the of the thermocouples used in the heat treat industry are probably base metal, uh, although I'm sure they've got some specialized ones for high temperature, which probably jump into noble metals. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. A lot of All the right. uh, the base metal thermocouples are used in the uh, load sensors, in you know where they're putting multiple sensors in. Yeah, um, and then you know the oven may be be, con be controlled by a, a noble metal. Gotcha, gotcha. The different types of thermocouples you mentioned, and I've forgotten the letter already. That's you mentioned nice. that there are different types that maybe type was it type J? Type J, that's correct. Was that was really the yeah okay. So I also know there's uh, we've done a little bit of uh, we've done a study recently asked about what's the most popular ones in the heat treat industry. But I know we put listed down there J E K N T. Can you kind of run us through those and tell us sure what are the differences and whatnot? Absolutely. So you've already, and actually, you hit them all right on the right on the nose. Uh, it's J, K, E, uh, N, and T are, are the most common noble metal thermocouples. Um, for instance, type J is a basically, uh, you know, obviously you got two two dissimilar metals are what we right. refer to in the in the thermocouple. You know, two legs of the thermocouple, right? Positive okay. leg and a negative leg. You know. Yeah. So uh, on a type J thermocouple, you're using as a positive leg type, or I'm sorry, iron, which basically pure iron. Now there are some coatings on the iron uh, to help uh, against oxidation and things like that. And then the other leg is a, uh, a, a copper nickel alloy. Okay. Uh, that makes up the two legs of a type J thermocouple. When you, uh, if we look at type K thermocouple, um, a positive leg is the KN, uh, which is basically just a a, um, a nickel, uh, high nickel, and a little bit of chromium. Uh, the KP leg or the positive leg of the of type K is uh, uh, 
nickel nickel chromium higher content of nickel chromium and then some other you know minor elements but uh sure. type uh interesting the type e um well let me let me let me stop there let's let me let's talk about the type t so the type t yeah. is uh the positive leg is pure copper the tn leg is, is again a copper nickel alloy okay um so when we talk about type e i said it was interesting is that the type e thermocouple you're actually taking the type kp leg matching it with the TN leg, all right? <laughs> and, you know, so again, it's just a mismatch or, you know, uh, hodgepodge of some some legs, but. Right, right, but let's be, let's because you're using some lingo that I'm just picking up on. I want to make sure our listeners are as well. You talk about uh, a P and an N leg. Obviously, you didn't say it, but you're talking about a positive leg and a negative leg. I'm sorry, yeah, KP yeah. and KN, yeah, so it's K positive, K N, K negative leg. K yeah, negative. I'm sorry. K P K N. So and the in the E, you're basically taking a few and and switching them around and matching them up and right. See what right. you come up with. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's and, and the that, E. And, yeah. And uh, so uh, so that's the E. And I already mentioned T. Um, oh, and N. So N N is a relatively newcomer to the thermocouple industry. Okay. Um, when I say new, it's still I don't know 40, 50, maybe longer than that. I'm not sure when yeah. it was developed. But uh, so again, the type N is similar to the type K, where it's using a you know the KP leg or K positive leg is is a nickel, and then the, uh, if I got these correctly, K the KN the negative leg is like nickel and some silicon, you know. So just a little bit different composition from from the K uh, type K leg or type right. K thermocouple. Right. Uh, uh, but there's there's some differences. So some of the differences when you're looking uh, at the different types of thermocouples and and one thing i want to say like type e has the highest emf output of any of the thermocouples and well and uh, your question could be well why wouldn't we just use type e has the high and and what the higher uh, emf output means is the sensitivity is a little bit greater in the type e thermocouple um, but why wouldn't we use that you know throughout the you know in right. all the industries and throughout the uh well the the answer the short answer is that uh for a couple of things type e has a limited temperature range because again you're using that tn leg which is a, a copper nickel alloy and yeah. the melting point of of a copper nickel alloy is much lower than than a nickel chromium alloy right um, so right. that's some of the differences um in with all the thermocouple types you know also right. um right. each one has their own uh EMF output at certain temperatures, um, but there's one of the biggest considerations is really the environment that you're using the thermocouples in. Okay. Um, you know, type K, good good oxidation resistance. Um, type J, not so much because you're, you got a pure iron leg, which is going to oxidize much faster. Right. Uh, so that's some of the differences between the uh, the individual thermocouple types. And I assume if there's oxidation or any type of corrosion or anything of that sort, you're, it's going to change the EMF. That's going to change your reading, and therefore that thermocouple out the door she goes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And there's yeah. been yeah. even some recent changes in some of the uh, specifications that some of the heat treaters are using nowadays, where you know they finally realize that hey, these thermocouples do, you know deteriorate over time. And so they yeah. start limiting the amount of uses uh, that each thermocouple uh, can be used in, in a bunch of different applications, heat treating mainly. But. Right, right. We'll get back to Ed and Doug to talk about some thermocouple 101 vocab in just a second. 
but I'd like to take a moment to recognize Heat Treat Today's August 2021 automotive print edition as a sponsor of this episode. This print magazine, which you can access digitally, is really quite something, with a column by Cleveland Cliffs Chairman, President, CEO, Mr. Gonzalez, and a collaborative expert analysis article, and several in-depth technical pieces, including one from Stellantis. If you've been reading each magazine this year, you'll also be pleased to see the next installment of John Clark's Combustion Article series. Aside from the amazing technical content and feature stories, this August 2021 automotive print edition includes a heat treat shop and the chatter news items from around the industry to fill you in on some of the information regarding new equipment or recent company hires. You can access the automotive print edition at heattreattoday.com forward slash digital editions. Again, go to the website and access your digital edition today at heattreattoday.com forward slash digital editions. Now, let's return to Ed and Doug. Let's take a pause just for a second and do a little vocab. You've mentioned EMF a couple different times. Maybe just another brief review of that just to make sure. And then also we've talked about, or I know I've heard it said about millivolts. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I'm, I, how, are those two things related? If so, you know what 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 is it? Sure, absolutely. So, EMF stands for electromotive force. Electromotive uh, force. Okay. Force, right? And uh, and it's basically when two dissimilar metals are put in contact with each other, a small voltage is generated. So, yep. um, so when you when now we we're talking about millivolts, so that's exactly what we're looking at. A millivolt is one thousandth of a volt. Uh, okay. So it's a very small amount. If you look at some of the millivolt outputs for these thermocouples, um, you know, at 200 degrees, and I, I'm just giving you a number, it may not be accurate, but you're putting out, you know, 0. 0.560 of a millivolt, you know. Oh, okay. So these are small, exactly, a millivolt. Right, right. Oh, okay, okay. All right, and you're saying that it was the type E that has the highest millivolt of all. So the, the the current that is produced between those dissimilar metals is the highest, but you can't always use that one right. because in certain temperature ranges you're gonna you're gonna melt the one of the legs. Exactly. Okay. So. Okay. The millivolts are measured by what? I mean it goes into it goes into an instrument that Absolutely. then is able to read that. What what is that? What's that instrument? Uh, well, actually, you can measure some some DVMs or your know, digital uh, voltmeters. Um, have the capacity to measure in the millivolt range. Okay. So it could be as simple as a, um, a digital voltmeter. Um, okay. But in the industry, we have temperature controllers, you know, things like that, that that you hook a thermocouple up to, it measures the um, the EMF or the, and then it right. converts it into a temperature. Right, right. Yeah. And they, right, so it'll measure that millivolt and then tell us what the, temp, what the temperature right. is. With all, okay. With this, with the instrumentation nowadays, you know, it just it has the formulas in you know in its memory, whatever, and convert that millivolt into an actual temperature that you actually read on a on a meter. Okay, so we've got the we've got an EMF which is measured in a milli millivolt. It's going to travel across the long wire, I assume, to to some place where it's going to be read. Let's talk about that wire a little bit. What the impact of this, you know, what whatever EMFs being created, millivolts. What about that intermediate? What about that wire? Tell me about it. What's what do we need to be careful of? Just whatever you've got there. I'm curious about that. Well, we were actually saving that for another podcast, but I, I will touch <laughs> touch on it a little bit. So <laughs> so there are limitations uh, um, on the length of the thermocouple, and you know there, there's a lot of different mindsets, you know. But 
probably the, the one I've heard the most is no longer than 100 feet. That includes, yeah. you may, and again, we are kind of going to touch this on a different podcast, but uh, the, so you actually have your thermocouple sensor. Right. And, and that, and that arrangement, that configuration could be a number of ways. I mean, it literally could be, right. you know, at PMC, we insulate the wire. You could just take that insulation off at the end, weld a junction there and right. then, you know, stick it in an oven and then run it to a meter. Um, right. But in other industries, um, you know, you may have it in a ceramic tube because of the yeah. temperature it's being used at. So you may not, you know, you, you have a ceramic tube with a connector at the end. You may run what they what we consider extension wire from that point all the way back to your instrumentation. Gotcha. Um, and again, I, like I said, the general rule of thumb is, is I think it's 100 feet. I, I didn't even have to verify that. OK, so let's talk about that wire with the different types of thermocouples. What do we need to be sensitive to? What do we need to be careful about? Okay, again, uh, temperature range, uh, probably the first consideration, but then also the environment that it's in. Okay. Um, again, each thermocouple has its limitations on the environment. Some are good in a vacuum. Other yeah. thermocouples are not good in a vacuum. Yeah. Some thermocouples are good uh, just in air, you know, uh, like type K is good in air. Uh, right. But type J, you know, not so good. You know, I mean, it still can be used in air, but it it will oxidize faster. Right. Uh, like I said, in in uh, environment of a um, a vacuum, you know, some thermocouples will actually the elements will leach out or or evaporate out. Okay, and right. Def definitely would cause a problem with the EMF output and and have a erroneous reading. Um, right. Acids, you know, certain acids you can use some thermocouples in, others you can't. Yeah, so yeah. that's yeah. Yeah. So a lot of, of other... a lot of considerations. Temperature, right. temperature range. How about how about because uh, this this is a thought with all this pyrometry stuff going around, especially the AMS twenty seven fifty. You know, there's a lot of places where the where the temperature, the tightness of the tolerance on the temperature really needs to be paid attention to. All right. So are some thermocouples inherently tighter tolerance where they can go down to, you know, plus or minus two or less, less <laughs> than that. And, you know, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Again, that was something we were going to touch on a little bit later, maybe another podcast, because it, it, it can be a, a whole category on its own. But yes. Um, so if you think about just in general, overall, when we're thinking about the thermo different thermocouple types. Yes. They basically all have the same tolerances according to ASTM, right? Okay. So say from, and, and it, the rule of thumb that we kind of use uh, is from say 200 degrees to 500 degrees, the tolerance on all the thermocouples are plus or minus two degrees if you want special limits of air material. Now there's okay. other tolerances, uh, you know, and might as well discuss that a little bit. So. You know, in the thermocouple industry, you'll hear, uh, at least calibration-wise, you'll hear special limits of air, standard limits of air, and extension grade. Okay. Right? So, yeah. it, uh, special limits of air is the tightest tolerance, okay. um, and that's according to ASTM. Uh, but there are some customers and some companies want tighter tolerance material. So, when we, when we talk about that, um, that's really a like special order. So now you have to back all the way back up to the melters that, that melt yeah. these uh, elements and, and make the thermocouple wire. It's on them to produce something that's a tighter tolerance. Once it's, you know, once that, that metal is poured in that mold and it's processed down to wire, it is what it is. You know, when they yeah. calibrate that wire, 
you know, really, you, I mean, can't really do a whole lot with it to change the EMF output right. per se, other than there's some heat treat operations that can, what they call stabilize. There's right. processes to oxidize thermocouple wire, things like that. But you're pretty right. much stuck with the EMF right at the, right, right from the melt. Right. And it's it's dependent on the material, let's say the material composition, the material quality of the of the material. Absolutely. Okay. You know, in some cases, they may melt ten melts to get two special limit of air thermocouple types. Or, you know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's quite that bad, but but you know, from my yeah. early melting days, you know, we've you know we've had Good. to downgrade many a melt because it didn't quite meet the tolerances. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Very good. I think those. I think that's probably good enough for today. I mean, just reviewing. We about you know basically a little bit of the history, how they got started. We talked about the difference between noble versus base base uh, metal thermocouples. We talked about the different types. We talked a little bit. Define what uh, EMF, electromotive force. We talked millivolt a little bit. Um, we talked about we talked about the wire, right? The difference, mm-hmm. a little bit of differences in what we need to pay attention to as far as wire and and some other considerations as far as like temperature range, calibration tolerance, and, and environment. So, yeah, just so you know that the really the the only base metal thermocouples there are, um, at least yeah. what ASTM recognizes, is the type J, E, K, T, and N. So we we pretty much covered all the the base metal thermocouples. Just out of curiosity. A noble metal thermocouple. What would that? What are those? Uh, there's a there's a fairly large list of those, <laughs> but but I, I you know there's uh, like uh, you've probably heard of a type R thermocouple, type S thermocouple. Uh, okay. Those are all made with uh, with uh, um, noble metal thermocouples. Um, yeah. And actually, there is there is another. I don't think it's not really considered base metal, but uh, tungsten rhenium thermocouples. I think okay. those are those are in the more the noble metal uh, yeah. category. Um, okay. Type C. So, yeah. but they're even they're, they're even development uh, of some other additional noble metal. Like gold is used. Okay, uh, uh, thermocouples are made out of gold. You know, yeah, those could be expensive. Of course, uh, you know, some of those other some of those other metals are more expensive than gold. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so that that's actually that's actually interesting. So J, E, K, N, and T are all base metal TCs. That's correct. All right. Yeah. All right. Very good. So, Ed, just because I want to make sure that we give appropriate credit to your company, we've talked about the fact that you're from uh, Pelican Wire, part of the Wire Expert Group. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I just want to make sure that our listeners know that they can go check out your website, which is pelicanwire.com. P-E-L-I-C-A-N Wire.com. And are you? Would you like to give out any other? You're not obligated to do so, but any other? information where they can get a hold of you or uh yeah i mean i through the pelican uh website you can certainly get a hold of me um our number is on the website it's 239-597-8555 and uh it goes through a central uh board so um if anybody is looking for me they can just ask for me through through the operator all right good and thank you very much that's been really really helpful we'll look forward as you mentioned a couple times and i did as well i think we are planning on doing a couple more of these we'll consider this to be our our uh thermocouple 101 maybe next time we'll do thermocouple 201 we'll get to see see what else we get done so anyhow thanks very much i appreciate your time thank you doug and i appreciate you, uh, you having us on today we hope you enjoyed today's heat treat radio episodes with ed valeco 
Check out Mort's technical episodes from Heat Treat Radio at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or simply at the website www.heattreattoday.com forward slash radio. Remember, more episodes in this Thermocouple 101 series will be following in the coming weeks, so be sure you're tuning in. To reach out to today's guest, head over to pelicanwire.com, and when you call the number listed there, that is 239-597-8555, the operator can connect you to Ed. You can even send an email to me, and I'll put you in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. We're always interested in new Heat Treat Radio topics, so shoot me an email with something you're interested in, and we'll be in touch. My email again is bethany at heattreattoday.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor for a future episode, also let me know. Again, the email, bethany at heattreattoday.com. How do you lead? Well, sign up for one of Heat Treat Today's Leaders in e-newsletters for the medical, energy, automotive, and aerospace industries. In the quick rundown, you'll receive an overview of the latest news and relevant articles in that industry. It's a convenient way to stay abreast of things every few months so that you can make more informed decisions when you're on site. Sign up for an e-newsletter at heattreattoday.com forward slash subscribe. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank Heat Treat Today's August 2021 Automotive Print Edition for sponsoring this episode. Access the digital edition at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash digital edition. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. Jonathan Lloyd, audio producer extraordinaire, created and mixed most of the music that you heard today. Check out his professional work at www.jonathanlloydmusic.com. Thank you, Jonathan. And I'm your host, Bethany Leone. Thank you for listening.